It's good to see you this morning. Thank you. What a beautiful fall weekend here in the UP. That's why we've got to beat them off with a stick at the highway and the bridge because they just, they all want to come up here during this time of year, right? You guys, get, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Okay, all right. We love the UP. Anybody here love the UP? You guys are really excited today. I'm overwhelmed. I just, I'm overwhelmed with your excitement. I just want you to know that. Do you know people love power? I won't ask for a show of hands who loves power. I won't, I won't do something like that. But people love power. In fact, I would dare say that every one of us loves power. Last winter, I bought a new snowblower. I received that. I received that. And I, I, it was, you know when I bought it? It was, it was the, uh, Christmas Eve was on Sunday. Christmas was on Monday. And we had a storm that went over both of those days. You remember that? Tuesday morning, I called the Aaron's dealer and I said, I'll be there at lunchtime with my checkbook in hand. I said, you better have it ready. And I, want, I only cared about one thing, power. I wanted, I wanted the most power that I could get. I wanted it, I said, it's got to throw the nastiest, wettest stuff you can imagine. And I mean, it needs to throw it. And deep, I don't care what comes, I need what's going to, it's got to have power. And I was looking at that little number on the motor, and this was the CCs. And I compared it to the number on my previous snowblower, and I was like, wow, that's a big difference. There's a lot more power there. But you know, it's not just about snowblowers, and it's not just the biggest person or the strongest person that cares about power. Even the smallest or the weakest, they like power as well. In fact, you listen to a baby's cry. A baby that really wants that bottle or wants anything for that matter, and that child begins to cry, and you watch people scramble. Scramble. Where's the nook? You know, they're just, they're going, it's power. There is, moms, do, can any mom attest to what I'm saying? There is power in the cry of a child, and the worst thing about it is they know. They know. Opal will know. She will learn that she has power. She's a tiny baby right now. She will know that she has power. Every person in this room has power. The question is, What's the source of that power, and are we ultimately using that power to its full potential? Let me start out by talking about some characteristics of power. Lord, uh, Lord Acton, British historian Lord Acton said this, power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Niccolo Machiavelli in the 16th century, he believed that manipulation and cruelty were the best ways to achieve power. And he said that it's 
Much safer to be feared than loved. Robert Greene in 1998 wrote a book about the 48 laws of power. Let me just share a few of those different laws with you. The third law is conceal your intentions. Number 12 is use selective dishonesty and generosity to disarm victims. Number 15, crush your enemy totally. Number 17, keep others suspended in terror. Number 33, discover each man's thumb screws. I'm not sure if this was written for business or the playground at school, but this is the world's definition of power. Doing some research this week on the subject of power, I discovered a few different things about power. I want to share those with you really briefly this morning. The first one is that power is situational. You see, not, not every environment has power. Let me illustrate really briefly. At work, you may govern millions of dollars. You may be the boss of hundreds of people. And when you walk into your home after work, you're not even in the top three, okay? Others have power rather than you. Power is also relational. It requires two entities or individuals, and one will affect the behavior of another. Thirdly, power is functional. It's used to achieve specific objectives. It can be used for moral or immoral purposes. M.G. Smith says this, power is the ability to act effectively over people and things using means ranging from persuasion to coercion. And finally, power is conceptual. Power can't be seen, but it certainly can be felt. And just like wisdom, the Bible says that there are two types of power. There are two types of wisdom that the scripture talks about, the wisdom of this world and the wisdom that comes down from heaven. But there's also two types of power. Acts 28, or 26 rather, verse 16, reveals that those two types of power are the power of Satan and the power of God. And we're going to start by looking at what the scripture calls the great power. In Acts chapter 8, verses, starting at verse 9 and going through 11, let's read what the book of Acts says. It says, Now for some time there was a man named Simon who had practiced sorcery. By sorcery, what the scripture is meaning is that he is contacting the dead and having communication with the dead and he's telling fortunes. This is in the city, and, all, and, and he amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. I want to talk for just a moment here about Satan's power. And I want to use what I spoke of a moment ago about 
power and apply those to Satan's power and say, first of all, that Satan's power is situational. Are you with me? His power is situational. The Bible refers to him as the prince of the power of the air. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 says that that the devil holds the power of death. We know that he has the power to deceive. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19, the second half of the verse, it says that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. But I want to remind you that he has no authority beyond the limits that have been set for him by God. And not every environment does he have that power. We read in the book of Job that Satan came into the presence and throne room of God and he had no power over Job. He had power only as much as God would allow him to have over the life of Job. And not every environment that he faces here on earth does he have power. His power is limited to a particular time. His power is limited to a particular place, and that is a temporary power that he possesses. In fact, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10 is an incredible reminder to us where it says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Friends, the devil has limited power and it will come to an end. His time is coming. His power is also relational. It requires two entities, two individuals, and one affects the behavior of the other. I'm going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3 and verse 1 where it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? We see that Adam disobeyed. We see that Eve was deceived in the fall. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, it tells us that Satan has the ability to hold people captive under his power. In Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, we read this discussion that, that Jesus has with Satan in the desert, in the wilderness, where Jesus is being tempted. And it says that the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What we see here is that Jesus withstood the temptation of the devil. He withstood the devil's power. And he used the word of God as a weapon to do so. Every one of us faces that power. 
because the devil has authority, he has power in this world. He does not have authority or power over us as believers, but we face it every day. There are things that took place in your life this last week, and you can look back and say, I realize that I was facing the power of the enemy, the power of Satan, the same way Jesus did in the garden. James chapter 1 and verses 14 and 15 reminds us that each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. But there's good news. Yes, we face temptation, but James tells us in chapter 4, verse 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will what? He will flee from you. In other words, you win the victory over him. We can use God's word as a weapon the same way that Jesus did. Next, Satan's power is functional. He has a purpose. He has a plan. I've never thought about it this way. But this week I, I read as I was preparing for my message that Satan just hates people, God's creation. You see, he was already cast down to earth before man was created. God invaded his space with mankind, and he hates them for it. And he wants to destroy every last one of us. What does John 10 tell us? It says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan's goal is simple, to destroy man in hell. Satan's power, finally, is conceptual. This offers him a cloak where people really don't even have to believe in him. In fact, I think that's what he prefers you see, his power can be discerned with our spirit, but it can't be seen with our natural eye because, well, that's just a person and that's just their decision and that's just what they want to do. It's their choice. But our spirits can discern that it's the work of the enemy. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? So let's compare that Let's compare the great power that Simon claimed to be, let's compare that with the incomparably great power that we read about in Ephesians. Chapter 1, starting at verse 19, and it, it starts in the middle of the sentence, forgive me, but, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That statement right there tells us an awful lot. This incomparably great power of God is for those of us who believe. Look at the next sentence. That power, that incomparably great power that Paul just spoke of is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power 
and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So God's incredibly great power raised Jesus from the dead. God did what could not be done. He raised Jesus from the dead. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. So this incomparably great power of God is available for everyone. It's available to everyone. Think, think of every person in your family. Think of everyone that you work with. Think of every neighbor that you have, every friend that you have, everyone that you see while you're shopping at Kohl's because everybody shops at Kohl's. The power, the incomparably great power is available for them. Do we have any believers that are here today? Anybody is... You're a follower of Jesus. You're a believer in Jesus. Not only is it available for them, but it is for the believer. Let me say that again. The incomparably great power of God is for the believer. Amen. It's for the believer. The only qualifier is that you are a follower of Christ. That you are a believer. We, we, today, the word, the phrase believer, it, 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 it doesn't carry quite the same significance because in the first century, when you say that you are a believer, you are, you are committing a crime according to Jewish law because you are saying that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah, when we say that we're a believer, believing means nothing. You can believe whatever you want to believe. In fact, people do that in their Christian life. Well, that, this is you know, my faith. They personalize what they believe. They personalize their faith. But in the first century, there was no personalizing it because it was about one man. It was about Jesus. And as a believer, you believe that he was the Messiah, that he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins rather than from his own. He was the son of God. And I'm saying I believe. It's available for us today as believers. In fact, it's present in us as believers. Not just available, but by virtue of the fact that you are a believer, it is present in your life. Next, God's power. This, I love this one. It's not situational. There's no limit. Come on. There's, I don't, I don't, listen, some of you, I don't know what you, you left when you came to church today. You may have a situation in your residence, in your home, where you feel like the power of God has no ability to have authority in that place, and it's not true. That is a lie of the enemy. 
God's power is not situational. It is not limited. Romans chapter 12, verse 20 says that God's power is eternal. It's not only in this present age. It's not only in the here and now. It's in the age to come as well. There's no limit. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, the second half of the verse, it says that he is the head over every power and authority. So even the authority, even the power of Satan, and the power of Satan is real. He has been given that authority over the earth and over the inhabitants of the earth. But that power does not stand up against the power of God. And that power resides in every believer. All things are under Jesus' authority. God's power also is relational. It's relational. It's between him and a person. Think of how relational God is. I love Revelation 3.20. It's not going to be on your screen, but, but where scripture says, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I'm going to share a meal with him. I'm going to fellowship with that person. God is relational. It requires God and it requires a person who says, yes, I believe. He's relational. His power is relational and he affects our behavior. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power. His power that is at work within us. We are made to house the power of God that incomparably great power that raised Christ from the dead. You were made. You were made. You were made. We were made to house that power. And it's available for you and me today. In fact, if we're believers, it already is there. And finally, God's power, it's functional. It's used to achieve specific objectives. Jesus said, or excuse me, Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, referring to what Jesus says, that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So his power is to make us strong even when we're weak. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So if you say it's impossible for me to, to live a, a, a life for Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, but the power of God makes that possible. In, for, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, the apostle Paul says the spirit of God uh, this, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. God gives us his power to defeat the spirit of fear. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. We will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The power of God 
The power gives is, is so that we can be witnesses of that gospel. So the question today that we must ask ourselves is this, whose power are we operating under? Now there's three answers that, that you might think we, can, we could give. We could say, yes, I'm operating under the power of God. We could say I'm operating under my own power. And we could say, which I don't think anybody's gonna say this, I'm operating under the power of Satan. I don't, I don't imagine that anyone here this morning is gonna say that. But let me, let me throw you a little curveball. Remember when we talked about Satan's power? Satan's power is over. He, 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 he has control over the inhabitants of the earth. So if we say I'm operating in my own power, what we're really saying is we're operating in the power of Satan himself because it's about me. And that's the same thing that he said to Eve. Did God really tell you you couldn't do this? Did God really say that? I don't think that he really meant that. The whole world is under his power. If we are operating, though, in God's power, then I think we need to step back and look at ourselves and, and, and ask ourselves, am I really operating in the incomparably great power of God? Because I know that you're a believer. I know that you believe. But are you operating in the incomparably great power? I think we need to look at our lives and ask ourselves that question. Imagine if, if every follower of Jesus in the world was, was living, living and operating in the incomparably great power of God. How would our world be different? Oh, we're believers. But are we operating in his incomparably great power? I'm going to have the worship team come. And there's a song that we sang earlier. It was the first time I, I believe that we've sung that song. I, I did not recognize that song, but I was so struck by it. And what I want to do is I want to invite us to stand as we get ready to close our service. Come on, just stand with me. Let me pray. Father, I pray that, that in the next moment that your Holy Spirit will move. You see, Father, I, I know that there's believers in this place. And I think there's also people that are here that say, you know what? I'd like to be operating in that incredibly great power of God because there's things in my life I'd like to say Satan you have no authority here you have no power here you have nothing you may have authority over the earth but I'm a believer I'm a believer the incredibly great power of God resides in me the same power Satan let me remind you that raised Christ from the dead it lives in me if that's your prayer I want you to know something that the Holy Spirit is the activator of that power we can't activate it on our own 
We believe, but it's the Holy Spirit that's the activator. And today, the Holy Spirit wants to activate the power of God in some people. If that's your prayer, if that's your heart, as the team leads us, I want you to step out where you are. And I want you to come. And by coming, you're placing yourself on this altar. And you're saying, God, I believe, but I want that incomparably great power of God to operate in me. As they sing, if that's you, you come. As we take just a moment here, I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. I love the lyrics of that song. Push back the door, break down the walls. But friends, the Holy Spirit is not going to do that to break into your life without your permission. You've got to say, God, I want more of you. I want your power. And I recognize that the Holy Spirit is the activator of that power. Father, I pray, God, that you would begin to release your spirit. God, in those hearts right now that are saying, yes, Lord, I want more of your spirit. I want more of your power. Those that are saying, God, I open my heart. I open my life. Yes, I'm a believer, but God, I want to operate in that incomparably great power of God. Father, I pray as they pray that prayer that your Holy Spirit would begin like a wind to just blow into their hearts. God, I pray like a fire that you would begin to ignite their heart. And God, that you would begin to move by your power in a brand new, fresh way in them. God, we thank you and we praise you, oh God. Because of what you're doing, because your power is relational, one God and one person. Just tell him today, God, I want to be that person. I want to be that person that experiences your power today. I invite you. I invite your power. I invite your Holy Spirit to ignite that power in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just worship him. Don't be afraid. This is a a precious moment where the Holy Spirit is here. God's presence is here. And I do not want to rush you. I do not want to distract you. I'm just going to ask the team if they would just continue to play this song. And I want you to take your liberty in the presence of God. Father, I pray your blessing to be upon these people today. Thank you, Lord.